Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. It's always game day in Buffalo. Thanks for listening, subscribing, downloading. Great numbers lately. Matt, can we just say thank you to everybody who's come along lately and given us, um, you know, their, yeah. their, their ear, you know, I guess. Uh, we really appreciate eyes. it. You know, it's video. We're putting it on YouTube now at Sal Sports on YouTube, but we want you to download and subscribe. But we've had a lot of great feedback. The Mike North episode was real good. We'll talk about the schedule here a little bit, but thank you so much, everybody. It's really, really means a lot to us. We've tried to grow this. It's been a year now. That we've been mm-hmm. doing this. I think that, you know, um, fans are starting to settle in to know where to find us and what we're all about here. So we appreciate that. So you said it's thin at linebacker. And I was thinking in my head, yes, literally thin. Like they have Quite thin, thin linebackers, yes. right? They, these guys are, are not the biggest linebackers in the world, especially for Mike linebackers. But I think we're seeing a shift in what the Bills want to do. We have a different play caller, Sean McDermott, who's essentially the defensive coordinator now. And I think we're going away from, and they are, the you know the the role that that Tremaine Edmonds played and and granted he was a sideline to sideline guy but this really rangy bigger linebacker to something a little smaller who can even be better in coverage and I'll tell you why yeah I don't know if you heard the interview Chris Long did did. with Brandon Bean on the Greenlight podcast you heard it right I tweeted out some video I thought it was super interesting where in one of the questions and segments Bean said straight up sometimes it was a tougher matchup for a guy like Tremaine against you know certain tight ends or running backs or certain personnel slot receivers he mentioned and how he wasn't able to cover them because of his size and he's so good at these other things but this was a matchup issue and he said it's a matchup league they met Milano who could do all these different things and he said we kind of want a guy who is I'm paraphrasing here who can really be good enough against the run, but can really help in coverage as well. I think we're seeing a shift here, Matt, to little lighter, smaller middle linebackers who they've, they're fearless. They can do all of it against the run. And now you have Puna Ford up there. You have Daquan Jones up there to maybe tie those guys up, but really guys who are going to be better in coverage to go against the Travis Kelsey's of the world, to go against the Tyler Boyd's of the world in the slot guys like that. And I think that's what the bills are shifting to. And whether that's, Terrell Bernard or Dorian Williams, Tyrell Dodson, not as much, but still kind of in that mold. I can see it. And I'll even throw this on top of it. I think we might see a team here in the Bills who go a little bit more away from nickel than they've played the last several years because Taron Johnson being in the box as late as he was, teams took advantage of that against the run. Could we see maybe, maybe a more big nickel look from this defense with Taylor Rapp or with one of these other linebackers on the field along with the other two? 
Well, it's an interesting idea because then you're keeping somebody off of the field who has played a pretty prominent role for this defense for the last couple of years. 100%. And if you think that that's something that ultimately benefits you, then you have no hesitations doing it because you're not thinking about one or two players. You're thinking about just the greater good of the unit. When you were talking about the Brandon Bean, Tremaine Edmonds comments, I also heard them. There was one play in particular I thought of, and I don't think you can ever really put any one play on one player. I think there's so much that goes into almost everything that happens on a football field. But I thought of the walk-off touchdown in Tampa Bay with Rashad Perryman and Tremaine Edmonds out in coverage. And it looked like Dane Jackson had a screw up on that play too. And we didn't really know who was supposed to have who, but I just remember the middle of the fields, that route and just being like, yeah, there's no way that he can keep up with that guy. And it led to the game winning touchdown in overtime. So that's what I immediately thought back to. I think though, it is important to say, even though, this might benefit them in a few areas. I still think it's a net negative. Like I do not think they are as good of a team without Tremaine Edmonds. I think they will miss Tremaine Edmonds. And I think there will be growing pains there. They might be able to defend certain things better, but I think they will struggle with more of those than they'll ultimately benefit from. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Dorian Williams eventually turns into Tremaine Edmonds in a year or two, and he looks like an absolute stud. Or maybe Bernard or Spectre or Dodson steps right in and immediately plays to not the level of Edmonds, but close or closer than we think to the level of Edmonds. And you go, okay, wow, like they made the right call letting him walk. That was way too much money. I still think, though, you would feel much more comfortable about the defense if Edmonds was there again for this year. But you also would not have had a situation where you had Edmonds and Poyer. It always felt like it was one or the other. And even with Poyer getting way less money than we thought he was going to, I I just don't see any scenario where they were both back. It really is interesting how you talked about all that, because I agree with you and there's no doubt, like, I don't want to come off as I'm even saying that like they're better off without Tremaine Edmonds. Even I think Brandon Bean would love Tremaine Edmonds on the team, Mm -hmm. but I think for what they're saying and how much he got paid $18 million a year, they just couldn't do it. They, they couldn't justify it. And they want to go to a little bit of a shift here. But it's really interesting you say about Poyer and Edmonds. And I think about the addition of Taylor Rapp. And I I do wonder, in a way, if is it any sort of insurance against Micah Hyde and his injury? Is it any sort of insurance against, hey, just in case Micah doesn't get to fully full health and, you know, the neck injury, it's always something you have to kind of have in the back of your head. You know, they have a guy here or is it? No, no, we have plans to have these three guys on the field a lot, because I think that's a really key signing to some clues about what Brandon Bean. I'm sorry, what Sean McDermott wants to do with the defense. And the other part of this is. I went back and watched some stuff from last year. In particular, I actually watched a little bit of the um, the last two Miami games, the one that was at home at the end of the year where they won the division and then the one where um, or the, at least made the playoffs and then the playoff game. Two things stood out. Number one, this whole point I was talking about before, Miami actually schemed up, Matt. They did a great job of scheming up motion to get Matt Milano out of the box and Taron Johnson in the box, and they took advantage of that. Like, and I look at that, and I go, that's something the Bills are probably saying, we can't let that happen. Like, if teams do that, we got to have a little bit of a better alternative. So as much as you're right, Taron Johnson's a fantastic player, teams took advantage of having him as their extra guy to defend the run, and that's why Miami had success running. The other thing that really stood out, honestly, and we all love the story, boy, DeMar Hamlin was just late on a lot of stuff, Matt. He was just really late. And I kept saying, if Micah Hyde is on the field, that doesn't happen. The play to Jalen Waddle doesn't happen. The touchdown to Tyree Kill doesn't happen. 
I think the addition and health of Micah Hyde is maybe the best and biggest addition to this team in 2023. Well, it goes back to they would be a better team with Tremaine Edmonds on the field, but I think they will be a better defense out of the gate than they were last year because of a healthy Micah Hyde and eventually a healthy Von Miller. We really didn't see a full game of a healthy Bills defense besides the season opener where right. they held the Super Bowl champs to 13 points. That's so right. that is what I think of when you think of actually fully healthy personnel. And then after that, then you have the Micah Hyde injury against the Titans. Then you have Von Miller get injured. Like these are key. If you were to list the best players on the Bills defense, you would have both of those guys in everybody's top five easily. And now you're getting two of those back. Now, we don't know if Vaughn's going to be back right away, but we know Micah, unless there's a setback, will be back right away. So I do think that that's su- that has been such a calling card for the Bills since going back to 2017 when they beat Atlanta the year after Atlanta went to the Super Bowl, and they were trying deep shots over the middle, and Micah Hyde was the ball hawk in that game, getting the interceptions. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, it was like you were not beating the Bills over the top, regardless of who you have. And then you think of all of the moments where they've given up big plays in the years where they've had Poyer and Hyde. It's not shots over the top. It's crossing routes. It's stuff in the middle of the field where they just get mismatched. Like I think of the Tyree Kill touchdown in the 13-second game. That happens because they were so protecting getting beat over the top Mm -hmm. that they took the underneath and it ultimately came and bit them in the butt. So, yeah, I think getting Hyde back is huge. But to your point about Taylor Rapp, I don't think Taylor Rapp or Puna Ford sign here unless there's a path to them to be on the field. Yep. Not all the time, but I don't think those guys are signing here to play 30% of snaps. I, I just don't. No, I, I, I hear you. And that's why I think it's super interesting. You know, going in even after the draft, when the draft ended, all right. Um, I guess I guess now they've only added Puna Ford since then, but when the draft ended, it's wild to think the Bills had only added four defensive players the entire offseason. That's it. Mm-hmm. Zane Anderson, who they signed from the Chiefs practice squad at the end of the year because he wasn't given a futures contract by them. And then Taylor Rapp, their only free agent addition in free agency. And then the two draft picks that they mm-hmm. they they drafted on the defensive side of the ball, Dorian Williams and um, Alex Austin. So it's really interesting to me that that's all. But yet, here we are thinking about how they might look a lot different. By the way, speaking of Vaughn, Brandon Bean said, you know, he did not rule out Von Miller being ready for the season opener. And if you saw on, we are recording this on Thursday, on Thursday morning, I saw there was a video of Von working out. Holy mackerel. Like, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. First of all, he's obviously Von Miller. He looks great. But man, he does not look like he is recovering from anything, let alone a torn ACL. He looked amazing in that video. Yeah, I saw the same video and you're sitting there wondering like, ooh, I wonder when this guy can get back out there. And I don't think there's any rush with a player of his caliber and a player of his experience. Like I would I would imagine we probably never see him on the field in Rochester for training camp. But but why should we? Because like, what does that guy really need to get caught up to speed on? So I think you just need to be extra caught. You know, you got to be extra cautious with kind of those situations, not to the level that the Bills were with Tredavious White necessarily, but making sure that you don't rush him back because you're more worried right now about the games in November, December, and then beyond as opposed to the games in September and October. I I do think, and I'm not saying this to be a slight at Leslie Frazier at all, but I think after a while you need a fresh viewpoint. 
you need a change of philosophy. And I think that that will help them defensively. And I think Sean McDermott is now taking more of it and there's more pressure on him. And I love that. And I think that they're going, I I just think that there's something to be said about like my bread and butter is defense. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to coach this defense to be the best version of itself that it's been in a long time. And then offensively, it goes back to the Kincaid pick and some of the other pieces that they've added. I love that there needs to be a philosophy change. I would have been really irritated if they went into the season and just tried to do the same things that they did mm-hmm. more efficiently. And they were never going to do that, but it feels like they've had a fundamental shift in what they are trying to do. And I still think, play the hits. I say this all the time about stuff. Josh Allen's got to be your best player on defense. You got to get after the quarterback and you got to get takeaways. Play the hits, but try new things because who knows what's going to hit. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we were having the conversation about Brian Dable and whether or not this offense was clicking to the level that it should have been. And then they all of a sudden had their hair on fire and then he became one of the hottest coaching candidates. And now he's the coach of the year and he led the Giants to the playoffs. So I think it's going to take Dorsey a little bit of time. Everybody's got to be a bit more patient there. And then defensively, let's see what you got, Sean. Now it's on you. Yeah, I... I love it. I agree with you about McDermott and taking the reins and putting it on him. Like there's pressure and he's, he's accepting the pressure and he's saying, put it on me. It's my defense. There's no one to point to. There's no, well, defensive coordinator and get rid of this guy or get rid of that guy. Yeah. You have assistant coaches, but guess what? This is on you now. And he's saying that and a coach going into his seventh year, who's come that close, who hasn't gotten to the ultimate goal where people feel that this team should. I think that's really interesting that he's willing and able and ready to accept that pressure and do it. And I think that puts even more pressure on him. I think there's also more pressure on Ken Dorsey now that he has these tools to work with and he has these toys, which we talked about before that I think to me, it's like a wish list of what he's wanted to do with tight ends. And now he's in year two. I think there's pressure on Ken Dorsey. This is a really, you could say the two coordinators, which means Sean McDermott in this case, by the way, as a defensive coordinator, really do have quite a bit of pressure on them uh, going into a really important 2023. And and to wrap this up before we move on, isn't it funny how you just said fundamental shift? I agree with you. Defensive, fundamental shift maybe. We'll see. But it really revolves around the same thing, the middle of the field and controlling it. Middle linebacker, slot receiver with the tight end, and how the Bills feel that A, They've probably been taken advantage of by teams like Travis Kelsey and um, you go back to uh, uh, the um, who's the uh, the Bengals tight end last year when he scored yeah. the touchdown. Um, yeah, escaping my name. Uh, but you go back to that. You go back to the last few years without Cole Beasley, the mm-hmm. middle of the field, right in that 10, 15 yard, maybe a little less middle of the field area is where it seems like both sides of the ball are concentrating on. Was it Hayden Hurst? Is that who we were talking about? Yes. So, and it's almost like a specific skill set because historically the Bills have done fairly well against opposing tight ends, but Mm -hmm. not against Travis Kelsey because he does not play like a traditional tight end, which is, I think, what they're trying to find with Dalton Kincaid. And, you know, I hate when people compare a player who has never played an NFL snap to somebody who's going to be maybe the best tight end of all time. But right. that's the mold. That's what you're ultimately working towards of somebody who can kind of fit in in that role. I think the middle of the field is a good point. I also just think it's the line of scrimmage. I think of getting Puna Ford, adding Connor McGovern, drafting Osiris Torrance, like getting better and more solidified on both lines. Because when I think of the Bengals game, I think of them not being able to take advantage of a really beat up line for the Bengals and getting taken advantage of 
by the Bengals defensive line. Like they lost that game right at the line of scrimmage. They also lost that game within like the first 10 minutes because at that point it was just over and the bills didn't really have a chance of clawing back. So for me, that is the most promising sign from the off season, even though there wasn't any massive splash additions. I like Connor McGovern and Osiris Torrance and Puna Ford and what that does to all of the other people there, because I think it makes all of them better. Like Roger Saffold at one point in his career was a really good player. He made the Pro Bowl last year, which probably tells you what you need to know about the Pro Bowl. But I think this is going to be a substantial upgrade with Connor McGovern. And if Osiris Torrance earns his way onto the field, then that's a really good problem to have because Ryan Bates is a pretty good starter. And if he's better than that, then so be it. That's great for the Bills. All right. We are one week away from the release of the NFL schedule. 